from the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verses 12 to 15. Hear the word of the Lord. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. And for this reason I said that he will take what is mine and he will declare it to you. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, we've all had big moments, moments where we stand on the threshold of something that is coming, something that we can see, but we haven't quite made our way through the door yet, through the opening. And some of you have been a part of moments like that recently, or you know of others that have been a part of that in moments like that around this season, because this is the season, it's Father's Day today, yes, but this is also the season of graduations. This is the season of graduations, and all sorts of graduations are happening. Um, My son has an eighth grade graduation that's coming up this week. I'm sure that other friends are going to be doing kindergarten graduations, and then high school graduations, and college graduations, and graduate school graduations. There's all of these moments of graduations where, and graduation gives us sort of a picture of what it means to kind of cross that threshold, doesn't it? Because when you graduate from whatever it is that you're graduating from, there you are prepared and ready, knowing that there is something out there for you, right? Something, but not knowing what it is. You don't really know what it is. You know some stuff about what it is, but you don't really know what it's like to walk through that door and to enter the other side of the graduation. And I remember my graduation from Seattle Pacific University all those years ago, walking across the stage. It was in Key Arena, um, and I knew that the something that I had in my hand, which wasn't actually the degree, it was just the frame of the degree, which I'm sure how, is how they typically do it. Um, but walking across the stage knowing that the something in your hand signifies something important, but you don't really know what it is. You know that it'll change something, but you don't really know how it will change something. And that question of what will future be like on the other side of graduation is a big question. And I remember when I crossed that stage, I really had no idea. And I wonder what it might have been like for you in various forms of graduation. Because there are lots of thresholds that we get ready to cross. There's the start of a new job. There's the threshold of a new treatment planned. 
There's the end of a lease and a start of a new one. We're moving. There's the birth of a baby in a moment when you leave the hospital and then you start up life at home. There's the merging together of two lives or the disentanglement of two lives. There's all sorts of thresholds that we cross throughout our lives. And sometimes this is a moment of excitement. Sometimes it's a moment of trepidation. And often, sometimes, it's just right in the middle. It's a place that feels like we're holding open our hand to receive a degree and walking down that new pathway, but we still have all of the questions of what will actually lay on the other side. We don't know the answers, but we know that we're as prepared as we could be. And that's exactly where the disciples are in this stage in the upper room. This is the graduation stage for them. It's, in a sense, another way to think of it would be sort of their human resource orientation day. You think of them as starting a new job. It's their drive home from the hospital. It's the day after the honeymoon. This is the beginning of a life that they have been prepared for, but that they know nothing about. They still haven't actually walked through that opening. And what is the thing that Jesus does when he's in the process of handing off that legacy? You see, don't forget, if you turn the page in your text, the very start of chapter 18 begins with the betrayal and the arrest of Jesus. And from that point on in the Gospel of John, they are not going to encounter him in this way ever again. There will be appearances after the resurrection. There will be encounters after the resurrection. But this kind of community, this kind of tight-knit friendships that they have spent years building, they're not going to have this anymore. And they don't quite know that yet, but Jesus does. And so he's getting ready to send them off. And so what is it that he does when he's passing off this legacy? He doesn't offer them parables anymore. He doesn't offer them the same thing that they had in the Sermon on the Mount, which would be earlier in the Gospel of Matthew. He doesn't offer them a healing, which exists in the Gospel of John, when the healing of the blind man, there's nothing like that going on. There's no more arguments with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, which was a huge point of teaching for the disciples, because that would have been a time when they had the opportunity to interact with how Jesus understood the law. There's no more of that. These were parts of the teaching and the preparation process, and they were important parts. But these are not the substance of what the disciples need as they move into this world of crossing the threshold, of facing the future, of walking to the other side of the graduation phase. The teaching phase, or the teaching days, at least in the ways that they formerly knew them, are over. And now, really what Jesus is doing is he's inviting them to come in to the community that they have been prepared for. He's saying, come in to this community that you have been prepared for. He wants to figure out how to give them this image that they can't quite understand and that he can't expect them to understand 
But the image that he's trying to figure out how to talk about is that now it is all about entering in to this promised love of the Trinity that has been their inheritance since the foundation of the world and that now Jesus is passing off on to them. Entering into this promised love of the Trinity. The Trinity. I want to talk just a little bit about the Trinity. It's an idea that we have, a very important idea. We don't always understand it. We don't always get it. We know that the word Trinity is not in the Bible. And of course, our early church leaders knew this idea was not listed in the Bible, which is why, by the way, it took the church close to 400 years to begin to understand what was meant by this idea. And yet, it's one of the strongest pieces of our inheritance. It's so important. And it's the biggest challenge for the disciples to understand Because the promise that Jesus is giving them here is that the Spirit will come. Now that much they might be able to make sense of. That much they might be able to understand. But what Jesus wants them to understand is not just that the Spirit will come, but that the Spirit will actually speak on behalf of the Father and the Son. The Spirit will speak on behalf of someone else. And here Jesus is planting this idea, this promise for the disciples, because don't forget, in in a matter of 24 hours from the moment in which they hear these words, the human person of Jesus, the human person of Jesus in the scope of history in which he lived in, in that place in Palestine, is is going to die. And he's going to be raised into a forerunner of the new creation. But the disciples, they're still left in the current life as they know it. And Jesus needs to help them understand that they will not be left alone because the Spirit will actually speak in the absence of Jesus' body. Now that is a lot for them to be able to unpack. How on earth are they going to be able to make sense of that? How does one make sense? Let's just ask ourselves for a second. How does one make sense of a world in which God is fully present, God is fully active, God is fully redeeming, God is fully doing everything that God promised to do with just one small problem. The human body is no longer here. That's the reality that the disciples are going to be faced with in the next 24 hours from the time that Jesus speaks these words to them. And that's why this idea of the Trinity is so important Because when Jesus left, the Spirit takes up that place in the world. And Jesus wants his disciples to know that the Spirit isn't a second-rate Spirit, that the Spirit isn't just sort of an inkling of their own imagination, but that the Spirit is actually God, actually part 
of the Holy Trinity, the holy person of who we know God to be, the one who glorifies the Son, the one who speaks on behalf of the Father, the one who does not abandon the mission of God in the world, but actually begins to take up that space that Jesus has left behind. That is a big idea. And yet it's the only way that the disciples are going to know how to move into that next iteration of life beyond the graduation stage. Because they're going to have to do it without the person of Jesus there leading the conversation around them. They're going to have to rely and learn to trust and learn to listen to the Spirit. And so Jesus teaches us in this space, what does the Spirit do? What can we expect? Well, Jesus says that the Spirit does this by giving everything, by giving the whole inheritance of God to us, to these disciples. He says, he will take what is mine and he will declare it to you. Everything that has been accomplished in the redemption of Jesus has been given to you by the power of the Spirit. It's a really big idea. And it's the place where Paul begins to pick up on this. And later on in Paul's letters, what he will say is that the saints will actually inherit and judge the world. You see, oftentimes we don't really recognize this vast promise that has been given in the power of the Holy Spirit. But of course, it's hard to be too hard on ourselves because we know that when we cross that graduation stage in our own life and whatever it is that we've graduated from, it's hard to figure out just how to put all those tools to work, how to take that whole inheritance of what we've learned and how to put it to work in the world. And this is what Jesus is teaching and helping and giving leverage for his disciples to be able to do. And he wants them to know that they do not have to do it alone, nor should they. That this whole idea of forging it on your own is not an idea that is born from this promise of the Holy Spirit. In reality, what is happening is that we are moving into a place where that whole community of Jesus is behind the disciples as they move into that place. But not only that, where the whole community of God as God's self, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is also the community that is supporting these disciples as they move forward into the world. So it's not as if they're doing it alone. But they're doing it because what they have inherited is the breadth of this community of love that is forged in the person of Jesus, that is lived in the context of creation, and then through the power of the Holy Spirit that is given to every person 
who chooses and wants and engages in being part of that fellowship. It is a very, very, very big promise. I was thinking about graduations and thinking about how often within the context of graduations, one of the really important and fun things that we see and one of the things that I started to look forward to was seeing all the professors dressed up, right? Because um, they have all sorts of Hogwarts attire that they get to wear upon graduation and some have like little fancy berets and some have other really complicated things, especially if they've graduated from a school in the UK. There's all sorts of fanciness that goes along with that. And the colors and the stripes and just the big pomp and circumstance, right, that we celebrate alongside of graduations. And what's the purpose of all of that? Besides just sort of to be a big spectacle within the context of graduations, to show it off to the families that have supported The purpose is really to signify that those who have crossed the stage have moved into this community of learning, and now they're part of that community. They've entered in. And that's what Jesus is doing here with his disciples. He's saying, you've entered in to the love of the Trinity. You've entered in to the inheritance that I have promised you. You've entered in to being able to access and enjoy and experience the very love that flows within the trinity of God's heart. You've entered in. And so no wonder that when the early church began to understand this, and that it began to understand that it had received this inheritance, that it became a community that was fully engaged and committed to the world. That it fully laid itself out on behalf of the world. That it went into every nook and cranny and corner of that first century Mediterranean world, sort of from the outskirts of Turkey into the depths of Palestine, into the tips of northern Africa, and even over into the southern, the southwesternmost part of India, it began to go because it believed that it had a love to share that was the inheritance of the world, and it needed to be able to say that. So when Jesus says to his disciples here in this preparation time, I take all that I have and I declare it to you, What is he saying? That it's something that we get to hold as sort of a stagnant piece of who we are, that it's something that we just get to claim and maybe put in a corner of our lives. No, he's saying this very love, this very inheritance is given to you. And behind that, So is the world. So is the world. And when the world is given to you, 
What will you do? What will you do when you know that you have the community and the love and the passion of the Trinity as your resource? What will you do? That is the question that the disciples will have to answer. But not yet, because they haven't quite quite crossed the stage. And they're going to try to figure it out in the next few years. And that's the legacy that they've given us. What will we do when the world is handed over to us? Friends, let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this text, and especially for this time that Jesus spent with his disciples in the upper room of preparing them. We thank you for the promises that he offered to them and for the power that those promises have within our world today. And we ask that by the power of the Spirit that you would give us courage and grace and mercy to know how to move forward. Because the world is given to us. We ask this in your name. Amen. Let us stand. Mm -hmm.